You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks, joined by my co-host Rob Rang. Thanks for listening in to our Wednesday episode. We're going to be tackling a lot of salary cap and free agency related topics. And as advertised on social media, a lot of fan input on today's show as well. This episode is brought your way by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. It remains to be seen what the NFL's salary cap is going to be. Everyone is anticipating that it's going to fall to at least $185 million, potentially less. That is a huge drop from a year ago when teams were close to $200 million for the salary cap. This is something, Rob, that I've been thinking about internally. And now we're starting to see players such as Cardinals running back Chase Edmonds come out on social media and talk about the possibility that teams might be able to build super teams emerging from free agency this year. I think that is certainly a possibility when you consider how many teams are already scrambling, trying to create cap space. I just don't know that the money's going to be there for teams to be able to spend on veteran players in free agency. Look, Corbin, I don't think it's just a possibility. I think it's a probability at this point because, as you mentioned, the salary cap going down for every club, there is going to be all kinds of teams who are going to be cutting all kinds of players. There's going to be just so many big names that are suddenly going to be available. They're all going to be expecting monster contracts, and and I just don't know that the, the finances are going to be available for all everybody to get paid as expected. Um, and so I think that you are go- then going to um, be relying on on teams that are going to be signing players that are, are going to be kind of, again, relying a little bit on the whole recruiting factor, on who has the, the actual big name type of players that are going to be able to recruit some of these guys to, to con- convince them to, to come in and sign a one or two year deal way below the, the market value that they and their agents and their families have been telling them that they're worth. Um, but I think that there is going to be a possibility of that. And, and the Seahawks took full advantage of that back in 2013. They, they were able to sa- sign Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett that really put them over the top for their Super Bowl runs. It's going to be interesting to see if Seattle is going to be able to, to kind of duplicate that this year as well. Um, you know, Seattle, a couple of years back when, when they signed both Bennett and a- Averill, I mean, they, they were kind of the, the hot team out there at that point. I mean, uh, Russell Wilson was kind of taking the league over by storm. People were excited. There, there was a lot of belief that this was a team on the upswing. Uh, it's going to be a harder conversation now to convince people uh, that, that Seattle is on the upswing. I think that certainly the Cleveland Browns, maybe even those Arizona Cardinals, those are going to be teams, that, and the Buffalo Bills, those are going to be the teams that might be able to pull some free agents a little bit cheaper than, than maybe people expect. And, and again, it's going to be on guys like Russell Wilson, on guys like John Schneider, on, on guys like Pete Carroll, to be able to try to convince some of these free agents agents that might be available out there to come in and try to win a championship. And see, here's the thing. I I believe the Seahawks are still equipped to be one of the premier destinations for free agents, regardless of the salary cap situation, because they've got a couple things going for them. They consistently win 
They've got that. It's an undeniable fact. They make the playoffs. Yes, if they tripped up earlier than they wanted to in the postseason a bunch of times recently, yes, that has absolutely happened. But they're making the playoffs. They're winning division titles. They have one of the best quarterbacks in football in Russell Wilson. And I know there's some tension between the quarterback and the organization right now, but that is going to be a big draw for free agents that are looking to cash in and win a Super Bowl before they hit the free agent market again next year. That's the way that this is going to function. These veterans are going to have to settle for one-year deals. And I think ultimately that's the smart way to go right now. Why would you sign a three- or four-year contract below the market price when everyone expects the salary cap is going to inflate back up to pre-COVID-19 values after the 2021 season? Why would you take a multi-year contract right now when you can take a one-year deal that's less than market price, go out and ball, maybe potentially win a Super Bowl, and then hit the market again when teams are flush with cash and they can start paying players again what they believe they're worth and, and hit market value? I think that that's what you're going to see a lot of players do, and they're going to be really smart front offices. I look at the Seahawks in this situation. They don't have a lot of cap space to work with, but you and I hit on this last week. They have the mechanisms to create cap space quickly. They can move a bunch of the base salary for Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner into signing bonus, and you instantly create $12-plus million in space. They have some players they could extend beyond this year and lower their cap hit. They could do restructuring. Maybe they trade a player like Jaron Reed. They could make some moves with players like Carlos Dunlap. Maybe he ends up getting moved to create cap space. There are ways that they can instantly open a bunch of space to buy a bunch of players. And if you have a bunch of veterans that are suddenly available at one-year deals well below the market price, I mean, this is John Schneider's heaven. This is his paradise. He's going to lose his darn mind. We're talking about a whole new level of bargain shopping here for the Seahawks renowned general manager. He's got to be excited about that possibility. And they have the flexibility to give him a little wiggle room to be able to go out and sign some players that maybe during a normal offseason that isn't impacted by a pandemic, they're not going to have a chance to sign. Yeah, that's a really good point, you know, because as teams are are basically feeling the pressure of the cap, then they are going to be releasing guys. Uh, we, we have seen that here just in the last few days with with JJ Watt, um, you know, and, and with, with several other uh, you know players out there. And, and that's the thing is that once they are released, and then Seattle doesn't have to worry about the comp the compensational picks um, a, a year from now. And so that might be able to allow a savvy front office and Seattle certainly has that um, to be able to take full advantage of that. They did it a year ago with Greg Olson. You know, he was released by Carolina. And so because of that, Seattle was able to kind of jump in before free agency really began and be able to give Russell Wilson one of those, you know, the, the superstars that he was requested. It's going to be interesting to see if, if there are a number of, of quality players who are released over you know over the next month before free agency really begins in earnest in mid-March then then I think that you're going to see some of the teams that do have some experience do have some consistency in the front office and the coaching staff um, like the Seahawks obviously who, who should be able to take full advantage of this and if they do have some big name people whether that be in the front office whether that be in the coaching staff whether that be on uh, you know in, in terms of the, the player roster then, then I think that's going to put them in a huge position position of advantage. And so that is a spot where Seattle should be able to exploit that a little bit, might be able to get some players who are looking for 
those one or two year deals who are looking to have a splashy season, maybe play for a, for a, a Super Bowl championship, and then look to uh, you know kind of take full advantage of when the salary cap is a little bit in better position a year or two from now. Now, before the show, we had a great opportunity to ask you guys, the listeners, for which players you would want to pursue if the Seahawks were going to build a super team here, this free agency. And we got some really interesting responses. First one here from SP underscore demand tweets, David Andrews at center, Jamison Crowder at receiver, and Leonard Williams at defensive end. This would check off a number of boxes. I would be intrigued to see Leonard Williams play that base defensive end position. Jamison Crowder would certainly be a lot of fun He can play out of the slot, a dynamic player that hasn't had great quarterbacks thrown to him. Russell Wilson would easily be the best quarterback that he's had thrown to him in his career. And David Andrews is a player you and I have touched on a number of times that is a quality center coming from New England that might not be as expensive as, say, Corey Lindsley and could come in a younger player, could instantly upgrade your pivot position. And this is the one that you and I were both loving beforehand. If we're talking going truly all in, it's officially the offseason tweets Leonard Floyd, A.J. Bouye, Leonard Williams, Bud Dupree, Leonard Fournette, Corey Lindsley, Brandon Scherf, Allen Robinson, and Gerald Everett. I don't think that the salary cap has plunged quite that far, Rob, but it's it's an exciting thing to consider if you're making a team on Madden. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, if you are trying to create a super Seahawks team, um, then, then I think that, yeah, some of those names are, are very much in the mix. And we've, we've talked about a lot of those players. Um, you know, to me, the, the ones that are most intriguing of that, that, that kind of fill in with, with, with team needs, uh, I think that you are always looking for pass rushers. So, yeah, if you were able to get a guy like a Bud Dupree, if you're able to get a guy like a Shaquille Barrett, uh, then then sure, that, that makes all the sense in the world. A Vaughn Miller, then, yeah, I mean, any of those kind of guys make some sense. Uh, a Leonard Williams, a J.J. Watt, yeah, the, those guys are are you know just absolute difference makers along the defensive line, which we, we saw this just even this past year while everybody was focusing on Tom Brady. It, clearly, it was Tampa Bay's defensive line that had a, a huge role in that game. And you look at Tampa Bay's defensive line; they had a bunch of guys like Jason Pierre-Paul and Dominican Sue that that weren't Tampa Bay Buccaneers a year or two ago. And so if you are able to take advantage of some of these relatively inexpensive veterans who are willing to sign these one or two year kind of show me type of deals because they are looking to be able to host that hoist that Lombardi trophy, then then Seattle is going to be one of those clubs uh, that that might be able to do exactly that. And again, I I just I just love some of the names that have been thrown out there. Um, Can you imagine if Seattle had a little bit more consistency at the center position like they were able uh, to get, say, a, a Corey Lindsay. Can you imagine if they were able to get an Allen Robinson or a Gerald Everett, a Tyler Higby for that matter, to the tight ends from the Rams, who, of course, are going to have a, a great deal of experience in Shane Waldron. Um, and that might be exactly the types of guys that the Seattle might be able to pilfer from a division rival and be able to fill one of their positions of concern. This is going to be a free agency unlike any that we have ever seen. And so everybody buckle up. we got a little over a month till it gets started, but there's going to be a lot of roster movement before we get to that point. Coming up in the second quarter, speaking of roster movement, we've already seen a number of big-name players be released across the NFL as cap casualties. That list is going to continue to grow here in the next couple of weeks. We guarantee it. Rob and I are going to be looking at several of those players and seeing which ones might be the best fits for the Seahawks to potentially pursue if they're building a super team going into the 2021 season. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, 
your team every day. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined as always by Rob Rang. We're covering everything you need to know about the Seahawks, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. We were talking about it a little bit in the first quarter of this show, Rob. This salary cap situation for the NFL, teams league-wide are going to have to find ways to create space. We've already seen a number of big names be released, more than we do. I mean, we see this every year, but more so this year than ever before. We're seeing big names like J.J. Watt and Quan Short today, a number of star players that have been released to create cap space. There are going to be a bunch more of them here in the next few weeks as teams continue to try to clean up their finances a little bit, heading into free agency. A lot of uncertainty. Again, nobody really knows what that salary cap is going to be. A lot of teams are in a holding pattern in regards to signing their own players because they don't really know what they have to budget for because the league has not released the actual salary cap number just yet. Let's look at some of these cap casualties, the players that have hit the market so far, and whether or not the Seahawks should take a run at them. I think we have to start with a player that you and I actually haven't had a chance to talk about on the show together since he was released last Friday, but that is J.J. Watt, three-time defensive player of the year. If you're looking from a talent perspective, obviously you would love to see J.J. Watt wearing blue and green and playing in front of the 12s at Lumen Field. But, of course, there are certainly some obstacles here, cost and durability being the biggest issues when you're a team considering signing an aging player like J.J. Watt. Yeah, that's the thing. Is he is an aging player. He's 31 years old right now, um, and he is a guy that is physically broken down a little bit. You know, it's funny when you mentioned say JJ Watt. You know, I, I remember a guy that that was a really raw prospect in Central Michigan before he bet on himself, made the big transfer up to Wisconsin, wound up becoming a superstar there, becoming a first round selection by the Houston Texans, and being the All Pro NFL defensive MVP that that he became for the Houston Texans. He was kind of the classic example of a late bloomer uh, kind of a guy that that really developed into an absolute monster. Would would he make sense for Seattle? Of course. I mean, any any player of that kind of talent, that kind of heart, that that kind of competitiveness would would certainly be a huge addition to the Seahawks. But at the same time, uh, again, you're talking about a player who physically is not what he once was um, in terms of his ability to just take over football games, in terms of his reliability. So, yeah, I think that he's somebody that Seattle is going to kind of knock on the door a little bit. But at the same time, I don't think that when they when J.J. Watt answers that door, it's not going to be Pete Carroll or John Schneider. They're going to be presenting him the biggest offer that he is likely to get, even in this weird uh, free agency time. 
And we saw Watt today tweet that free agency was wild. Who knows what who knows what he means by that? This is the first time he's gotten to test the market. And so certainly he's weighing his options. Who knows how long it's going to be until he actually signs. To this point, there haven't been any reports about the Seahawks having interest. I can guarantee that John Schneider has at least looked into it. This is still a very good player. He had 17 tackles for loss last year. He only had five sacks, but he's a guy that still can get to the quarterback. He's had some injury issues, as I mentioned, but he did play in every game last season, so that's encouraging. I think that he's a player, if somehow you could get him at a reasonable rate, I'm not anticipating J.J. Watt's going to sign for like $4 million. You're going to have to pay up to get J.J. Watt, but if he was fairly affordable and wasn't at that $17.5 million per season mark like he was with the Texans, that was what they were scheduled to pay him this year. If he was significantly at a lower financial value than that on a one-year deal, then I absolutely think the Seahawks need to explore it because of his versatility. You could play him at base end. You can move him inside. I actually think that's where he's at his best now. This stage of his career is playing that three-tech role. That's where he really can still take over games as a pass rusher. So it's an intriguing idea seeing him on that Seahawks defensive line. I think the chances of it happening are pretty slim. I think there are a lot of other teams that have more money to offer that also maybe have a little better scheme fit. And he's got a brother, got two brothers playing on the Pittsburgh Steelers, Tennessee Titans, former coach Mike Vrabel used to work with him. So there are a number of teams that have bigger connections, but maybe the star power of a player like Russell Wilson and the consistent winning the Seahawks have done could lure a player like Watt to town. Now let's get to Quan Short. This is a tough one for me because Quan Short is a player a few years ago that I was just banging the table saying the Seahawks need to make a move. Go get this kid, bring him in. But he has played five total games the last two years. He just was released with a failed physical. That is never a good sign for a player that has been as banged up as Quan Short has been the last couple of years. There is a legitimate chance that he is done. But to me, this is the kind of player that you still kick the tires on a little bit. He's getting to be a little older player. It's really been three years since he was an overly effective pass rusher. But at the same time, we haven't seen him on the field very much to know how, how talented he still is. So the health issue is the biggest thing here. But this might be the kind of guy that you can bring in on a one-year contract for relatively low money because he hasn't played that still maybe could reap some benefits for you if, indeed, you can bring him in healthy. That's the big question mark here. That that is the big question mark. You know, there, you know, Gwan Short is a terrific football player. He he's been a terrific football player since he was stolen as a second round prospect out of Purdue all those years ago. Just an absolutely terrific player. Again, a little bit of a kind of a late bloomer. Um, did not have the, the consistent degree of success at Purdue that you might have expected, considering how uh, how good of a of a player that he has been in the NFL um, in, in Carolina since. Um, but but at the same time, I, I just have a hard time believing that he's going to wind up being a, a, a Seattle Seahawks. The, the fact that, that he was released from the Carolina Panthers, who, who frankly don't have the talent at the defensive tackle position, at least not the young talent that, that Seattle already has. You have the former general or the former Seattle area uh, scout and executive and Scott Fitter, now the general manager there. The fact that, that he signed off on this release, I just think it's a hard, uh, a hard sell that, that, that Seattle is going to be willing to, to look in, in Short's direction, although I agree with you, Corbin, that they should. This is a talented player. This is a guy who can be an absolute difference maker. Again, we saw the impact that Indomitian Sue had for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a year ago. Uh, and Kwan Short can be that type of a guy. 
Now, in the secondary, A.J. Bouye, you and I had a chance to talk about him in a mailbag segment a week ago because he was released two Mondays ago and is a player that really has struggled the last couple of years. Had a rough season with the Broncos a year ago. I believe it's been three years since he's really been a top-tier quality cornerback. In fact, I'd say it's been three years since he's been a good cornerback in the NFL. I don't see the scheme fit. He's getting older, so... To me, this is a hard pass. I know why a lot of people are throwing that name out there, but to me, he's a player that I know John Schneider looks at everything. I would actually be surprised, though, if they were looking into A.J. Bouye with some of the other corners that are out there, the way he's played the last couple of years. I just don't see the scheme fit there. No, I, I don't either. And he's 29 years old at this point. And as you talked about, I mean, when he had his greatest success, he was the Jacksonville Jaguars, and, and they had a terrific pass rush. And early on in his time in Denver, they also had flashes of a pass rush when it was, you know, the Von Miller, Bradley Chubb show and, and all of that. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, due to injuries to Bowie, as far as, as well as injuries and other off-field issues that have kind of led to Denver's defense kind of, uh, you know, falling apart over the last couple of years, Bowie looked looks like damaged goods at this point. Um, and so, sure, if he is available at a bargain basement price, I mean, he might be one of those kind of guys that because Seattle's scheme does not necessarily require elite straight line speed, which usually is one of the very first things to go with aging athletes, but it does require physicality. It does require ball skills. The boy has got a chance, but at the same time, I think that's basically what it is at this point. I think there, As you mentioned, Corbin, there are just so many quality defense backs that are available potentially at least uh patrick peterson's the richard sherman's the shaquille griffin's of the world that that are available in free agency potentially and this looks like a pretty good draft class among defensive backs so i would be surprised to see seattle be willing to spend big dollars on anybody other than shaquille griffin um, in the free agent market at the cornerback position now, going to the offensive line, there haven't been many moves so far by teams releasing offensive linemen. Really, the only notable one that's been released at this point is Nick Easton, who has played some meaningful snaps for the Minnesota Vikings and most recently the New Orleans Saints. His pro football focus grades the last couple of years have been dismal. He has not played well when he's had his opportunities with New Orleans. He's undersized at 303 pounds. That's not the type of guard the Seahawks have been looking for at least the last couple of years would not have been a good fit. But maybe that changes with Shane Waldron becoming the offensive coordinator. If there's more emphasis on that wide zone, they may be looking for a more athletic, leaner left guard than what they've been using the last few years. And he has a lot of starting experience. He might be a player that you can bring in on a one-year deal for two, two and a half million dollars. And at that rate, he might end up being a solid signing. Not somebody I would necessarily go pounding the table to bring him in, but he has played for some playoff football teams. He has started quite a few games in the league, and he might be a decent fit for the system that they're going to be potentially running now with Waldron calling the plays. And, and that's the thing, is, is that when you, you consider that the fact that Seattle's offense is likely to, train, to change with, with Waldron calling the plays, and then what type of athletes are you looking for at this point? Easton is more of a guy, in my at least in my opinion, where he's always been at his strength is using those long arms, and that good base balance to be able to be a good pass protector. He is not the mauler at the point of attack that Seattle's looked for as, as far as a run blocker, at least not in the past. And so that's the thing is that if they feel that the Easton is a better fit in Shane Waldron's offense, then sure. 
there, there are a number of offensive linemen, um, again, available in free agency this year, or at least expected to be available in free agency this year, and who I expect to potentially be cut, uh, that that might make some sense, and Easton being one of them. One other name I'm going to throw out real quick. There's been a lot of discussion, what do the Seahawks do if Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde don't come back? In particular, Chris Carson. Mark Engram is a reliable veteran that hit the market in late January. The Ravens released him. He has had a really good career. Last season had a down season in terms of yardage. He was dealing with some injuries. J.K. Dobbins came in and became the featured back for them. They had Gus Edwards there in Baltimore as well. So Engram knew that he was not going to be one of their top ball carriers at this point, but he still averaged 4.2 yards per carry. So he was efficient enough when he had his opportunities, and he's only two years removed from a 1,000-yard season. So this might be the type of situation where – if you think Rashad Penny can be your featured back, you like DJ Dallas, maybe you re-signed Alex Collins, but you could throw Mark Ingram into that mix, and he's going to give you a really solid between the tackles back that can split some carries with some of the younger guys, and you also know you're bringing a top-tier leader to your locker room in Ingram as well. So it's at least one worth exploring, and I don't think he would be expensive to sign at this stage of his career. No, I absolutely agree with you. I think of all the players that we talked about, um, you know, in, during this segment, I think Mark Ingram, the, the running back, former Heisman Trophy winner, uh, former superstar in, in New Orleans and Baltimore, absolutely kind of fits the bill as far as being a possible replacement to, to not only Chris Carson, but Carlos Hyde as well. And I, I mentioned Hyde um, just because I, I think that Hyde, we, we, we talked about him a little bit, that, that he basically played his role well. I mean, this was clearly Chris Carson's job. As Seattle's starting running back, and they want another guy who could carry the mail if Chris Carson fell down with an injury or anything else. That's exactly what Mark Ingram is at this point. He is not going to be the guy that can be the bell cow running back. So I don't think that he's going to get that big type of contract. But at the same time, he has shown the ability to, to exact, do exactly that, carry the mail when it's absolutely necessary. And because Baltimore is as talented the running back position as, you, as they are, Gus Edwards being a free agent, but of course they drafted J.K. Dobbins a year ago and he really got stronger as the season went on. I think Baltimore is basically going to pull a plug on Mark Ingram. He could be one of those really good, tough backs that is still kind of sitting around waiting at the very end of free agency. So I mentioned Carlos Dunlap, or excuse me, uh, Carlos Hyde before. Uh, I think that Seattle could find that Mark Ingram is a very similar player as a guy who is a proven 1,000-yard season type of a rusher that doesn't necessarily have that type of juice anymore, but you might be able to pay him basically pennies on the dollar, and he still could be that that backup running back to pair up with Rashad Payne. To me, he screams Seahawk as a guy that that somebody or that a lot of teams out there are not necessarily going to be talking a lot about at this point, but I think that there's a lot of things about him that that, that suggest that he could be a real player for the right club um, moving forward. I think we're going to have to wait and see on this over the next few weeks. Again, until the NFL lets teams know where the salary cap is going to be, teams are in a bit of a holding pattern trying to figure out what their next step is on their agenda this offseason. But I think once that becomes clear, 
you'll start to see some of these guys that have now become free agents start to look into what what's the next home going to be for me? Where am I going to land in 2021? And we'll see the Seahawks take a look at some of these players. We know John Schneider never leaves a stone unturned. We'll see if any interest ends up being serious with one of these proven veterans that has now hit the market. Coming up next in the third quarter, our latest position-by-position breakdown, swinging back to the defense. We talked running backs yesterday. Now we're going to talk about the players that are paid to tackle those running backs and also dominating coverage, the linebacker position, the Seahawks have some big questions they have to address there heading into 2021 we'll be right back you're listening to the locked on seahawks podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day are you looking for a way to boost your workout game are you seeking a delicious protein bar without the sugar and carbs enter in the built bar they're unleashing perhaps their best tasting flavor yet with coconut brownie chunk if you love the cookie dough chunk built bar this one will blow you away dark chocolate coconut real brownie chunks. It really doesn't get better than that. You're going to have a hard time eating just one. It's only 150 calories, 7 grams of sugar, and 15 grams of protein per bar. This is a limited time flavor, so you want to get yours today before it's gone tomorrow. Visit BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your order. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for our Wednesday show, Rob Rang. Wednesdays on Locked On NFL takes a dive into the future of your favorite NFL franchises. Tony Wiggins and James Rappian are joined every week by a Locked On draft expert to talk prospects in the upcoming draft and young NFL players fresh in the league. Did your team have a big rookie performance this week, or are they shaping up to have a premier draft pick in the 2021 draft? Get everything you need Wednesdays on Locked On NFL. Subscribe to Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to continue our position-by-position breakdown. We're going to go back to the defensive side of the football, and the Seahawks have consistently had one of the best linebacker groups in the NFL For basically the past decade, we've seen Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright dominate in the middle, and now they've added Jordan Brooks to the mix. He really came on strong in the second half of his rookie season in November and December was playing outstanding football. That continued into the playoffs in a pretty good game despite losing to the Rams in the wild card round. Rob, the Seahawks have some big decisions to make here, and really everything revolves on what is going to happen with number 50, K.J. Wright, coming off of arguably the best season of his career. He was the only player in the NFL last year with double-digit tackles for loss and double-digit passes defensed. He had a fantastic year. He moved to Sam linebacker early in the season. He was kind of against the idea of being the selfless player that he is. He made the move, and really, that position accentuated the strengths he still brings to the table, was playing outstanding football, maybe the most consistent defender they had all season long. But he's going to be a free agent. He's going to be 32 years old. They've got Jordan Brooks ready to play full-time at weak side linebacker, which means K.J. Wright is going to see a diminished role playing just that Sam linebacker spot when they're in their 4-3 base defense. And so they've got to make a decision what they're going to do with K.J. Wright. And this is certainly a complicated one because he is such a popular player. The coaching staff, the front office love him. He's still a very good player. But with limited cap space and the guys they already have at the position, it may be tough to justify paying him the money that he has earned. No, that's a really good point, Corbin, because that's the thing. You said it very well. Um, He has earned this money. 
And so if there's a team out there who is willing to pay him that uh, more than the seven million that he received this past season, then, then he certainly should uh, you know consider that option. Um, and at the same time, um, you're also absolutely right in, in that in his transition to the strong side linebacker position, then there really did accentuate a great deal of his strengths. <clears throat> this is a, a long arm, strong guy who can really hold up at the point of attack. He can play that role. And so if Seattle wants to, uh, you know, invest in him as a strong side linebacker, allow Bobby Wagner to continue to excel on the inside, allow the, the, the speed of Jordan Brooks to be able to excel at the, at the weak side linebacker spot, then I think that makes all the sense in the world. But at the same time, that is going to be a huge decision because, as you mentioned, he is going to be 32 years old uh, next season, and that is a really difficult ask to, to pay him uh, more than, <clears throat> say, a year or two. Um, you know, it's just you're you're not banking on the right side of of, <clears throat> of age in the NFL. So it's going to be a fascinating decision by, by the CX, what they plan to do with him, what they plan to do with Shaquem Griffin, who's kind of the exact opposite as, as a young player who was just starting to kind of scratch the surface of his potential. Um, you, you see him at his best rushing upfield, but he has struggled a little bit when, when they have asked him to drop down into coverage. And so to me, that is really where the conversation is going to be had at the outside linebacker position for the Seahawks is what do they do with KJ Wright? What do they do with Shaquem Griffin? Are they able to retain both? Do they keep just one or the other, or they completely cut bait and start off all over again? Again, you know, the, the outside linebacker position, uh, except for the guys who are able to play in space, and you feel pretty good about what Seattle has at that spot with, with, with Brooks, with, with Cody Barton, even with Ben Burke-Curvin and, and their instincts, their, their speed that they have shown, then you're looking for a guy at that outside linebacker position who might be able to kind of pin his ears back and be able to kind of be that 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 pass rusher off the edge as well. Fortunately, there are a number of quality candidates in free agency and the draft as well. So if Seattle does decide to go different um, than, than KJ Wright and Shaquem Griffin, there are some quality candidates. Yeah, Griffin's the other big name here as far as free agency goes. And Bruce Irvin's going to be a free agent as well, but he's coming off a second knee surgery. I'm skeptical that he's going to even be ready to go for the start of the 2021 season. So we'll see what happens there. Maybe the Seahawks end up bringing him back at some point. Right now, I would expect that's not going to happen given his age, the injury he's coming off of. K.J. Wright. Again, that's one of the bigger questions that they've got to you know, answer. Do we justify? Can we justify paying him the money that he has certainly earned and he deserves when there's a really good chance that he is going to be seeing a drastically diminished workload because Jordan Brooks is going to be out there every down. They're not going to be weaning him onto the field like they did as a rookie. He's going to get the keys. He is the weak side linebacker now full time. So that's going to be one of the difficult decisions. And maybe a player like Wright that's getting older, maybe because of this market that we've been talking about throughout the show, not having a ton of money across the league to pay players, he might be one that has to settle for less than what he deserves just because of the financial situation the league's dealing with. So if that happens, then I'm sure he would much rather stay in Seattle for less money than go somewhere else for less money. So that's going to be something worth watching. As far as the rest of the players that are on the roster, you mentioned Barton and Burke Irvin. To this point, they've proven they're capable special teams guys. 
Barton's gotten more reps on defense. Burke Irvin has only seen a couple of snaps his rookie season. Otherwise, he's been playing strictly special teams. But those are two players that they're still very high on. They like their upside and their potential. They're confident if those guys have to be on the field defensively. It really comes down to that Sam linebacker spot, what they're going to do there, because that is an important position. We saw Cody Barton struggle at times there his rookie season, especially setting the edge as a run defender. K.J. Wright was a monster when it came to that. It really helped this team to run defense. He was able to rush the passer more than he has at any point in his career. So they've got to figure out what they're going to do there. If they don't bring back K.J. Wright and Shaquem Griffin at this point, we haven't seen anything suggest that he's a starting linebacker in this league. So they could bring him back as a restricted free agent and still not have him be in the lineup. It's just for special teams and as a sub-package pass rusher, They've got to figure out who's going to play that sandbacker spot. In free agency, I think a lot of the guys out there are going to be a little bit too expensive. You know, your guys like Shaquille Barrett are out of the realm of possibility because of how much they're going to cost to sign. And a lot of the other linebackers that are out there are more suited to play as off-ball linebackers. I'm going to throw out an old name that a lot of our listeners may remember because he was drafted by the Seahawks, but... Kevin Pierre-Lewis is going to be a free agent again. He has bounced around. He has played for, I think, five teams now in five years, but he had a really underrated season with the Washington football team a year ago, 56 tackles. He is still a player that can fly around the field. He's had a few issues with injuries, but if you're looking for a one-year deal on a player that's affordable, that is going to know your scheme because he's played for your football team already, I could see Pierre Lewis being a guy that could make some sense to bring back at this stage. No, I absolutely agree. If that's what you're looking for, it's kind of a runaround, uh, you know, kind of a a linebacker, a chase linebacker um, who can play in space. And yeah, Kevin Pierre Lewis can still run. And that is the thing. He was always was a reliable tackler. Doesn't have that elite size, um, but at the same time, that's all the more reason why you might why why Seattle was able to draft him at the late point um, that they did, and and why he might be available uh, to you for for so cheap um, this off season. Um, at the same time, I again, I my biggest concern for the Seahawks at this point is going to be that strong side linebacker position. If they are not able to bring back KG right, if they do not fully invest in in Chicago, Keen Griffin, then I think that they're going to have to either draft somebody um, or, or try to develop some players. And it, you, you mentioned the Shaquille Barrett for, from Tampa Bay, who at 28 years old already was paid 15 and a quarter million dollars a year ago. It's coming off a couple of years where he is among the, the NFL's best when it terms to I mean, racking up tackles for loss, getting hits from the quarterback and the quarterback sacks. He is going to sign for big dollars. But, you know, some of the older guys, Matt Judon from Baltimore. Baltimore, Melvin Ingram, 31 years old for the Chargers. Bud Dupree is only 28 uh, coming out of Pittsburgh. He's going to be expecting big dollars. Olivier Vernon um, for, from Cleveland, who originally, of course, was with, with the New York Giants, had a big deal with, with Cleveland, didn't put up the numbers that people expected. Leonard Floyd, Samson Ibukam. I mean, there, there is a number of teams out there that have these talented, long edge rushers that, that might be able to fit in with Seattle's scheme. And there's just, as we talked about in the first quarter, Corbin, there's just not going to be enough money 
for all of them. So if you were able to get one of these younger players, I, I mentioned Ibukam, the Eastern Washington product, who you know, who, who at this point last year basically made, uh, I think it was le- you know less than a million dollars, seven hundred fifty-three thousand dollars a year ago. He's only 26, 25 years old. I mean, to me, that's the kind of guys that you're looking for. The guys that still have a little bit of untapped potential to them, um, and so you're able to kind of pair them with the experience that is Bobby Wagner, with the straight line speed and the the coverage ability uh, that is Jordan Brooks. And that's where I think Seattle really might be able to take a little bit of advantage of this year's free agent class. I think if they're going to address the Sam linebacker spot, though, they're going to bring somebody new in. I actually like the idea of drafting one. And some fans may be thinking, but we've drafted like 80 linebackers the last three years. But they need to find somebody that really fits that position that can rush the passer some, has the athleticism, be able to drop back in coverage. They need that versatility that they loved from Bruce Irvin so much. that The reason they put him back in that position, that's where he mainly played his first four years with the team after they used a first-round pick on him. There's a couple players in this draft that I absolutely love as possibilities playing that Sam linebacker position. Now, I'm going to start with Chaz Surratt out of North Carolina, former quarterback. He is a player that at pick 56 in the second round. I know the Seahawks just use a first-rounder on a linebacker, but this is a kid that moved from quarterback to defense, and all he did was – finishes a first-team All-ACC performer his first season playing defense. He can rush the passer. He's extremely athletic. I think he's still got some frame, the frame to be able to add a little bit more muscle to his body, and he's a good run defender. He racked up tackles in bunches. He's a player that might not be there at that point because he's one of the top linebackers in this class, but if he's there 56, I know there are other needs, but if I'm John Schneider and Pete Carroll, I'm looking at him and thinking, that right there's a player that – has still not played a lot of snaps on defense, and he's already this good of a player. If we develop him, he has a chance to be really special at that strong side linebacker position. No, he, he really does. Chad Surratt is one of my favorite or favorite players in this entire draft class um, because, a, as you said, I mean, he, this is a former quarterback, and he was a big-time quarterback at the high school level, signed with North Carolina among, amongst all kinds of hype at the quarterback position, played quarterback a, as a freshman and played pr- fairly well, um, but at the same time recognized that he wasn't going to be an NFL draft pick at the quarterback position, and, and when they added, they ended up adding a player in Sam Howell who who kind of like Russell Wilson was a little bit shorter than people expected but at the same time just put up significant numbers then Sirac could read the writing on the wall switched over to the defensive side of the ball um, for Mac Brown of course one of the the, the great college coaches in the game um, and has become a superstar and that is exactly the type of positional versatility the, the selflessness that the Seahawks have have shown to love and prioritize in players in the past so so sure, I, I absolutely think that Chad Surratt would be the type of guy that, that Seattle might like. Um, you know, Baron Browning is another one, 6'2", 240 pounds out, mm-hmm. out of Ohio State. You know, he gets a lot of uh, – gets overshadowed a lot by the fact that the, the Buckeyes have as much talent they have at the linebacker position. But to me, he kind of plays a K.J. Wright type of, of unselfish physical – 
quietly, very consistent type of play. And um, he's so really he, athletic too. Exactly. So he's one of the guys that, that might make some sense. If Seattle sits there in that second round selection and is looking for a player, he might be one of those guys that kind of surprises you. Um, and then a player, you know me, I'm always going to mention a, a Pac-12 guy. Hamaka Rashid Jr., um, you know, he was a terrific pass rusher for Oregon State Beavers a couple of years ago. And then this past season, kind of uh, inexplicably, the Beavers asked him to play a little bit more off the ball. And he really showed that, that he is a pretty fluid athlete. He can play in coverage. I think that he's better rushing the passer, which, again, if we're talking about that strong side linebacker position, that's going to be kind of the, one of the areas of focus for the Seahawks. Rashid is not physical enough at this point, but he does have the burst to be able to get upfield. He does have the loose hips to be able to play in the coverage. And so if he were available in the middle rounds, then I think he's the kind of guy that Seattle might be intrigued by as well. One other name I'm going to throw out there from the draft spectrum, because I look at his size, Jabril Cox is six foot four and around 230 pounds. And he's a fluid athlete. Didn't have the sack production for LSU last year, but he had three interceptions. I feel like the potential's there, though, for him to be a guy that could be a monster rushing off the edge. He's shown he can drop back into coverage with his ball skills as well. He would be a player that would make a lot of sense for the Seahawks in the middle rounds as well. He might not be available because he had a good week at the Senior Bowl, but this is a player that certainly would make sense at that Sam linebacker spot. So there are certainly some guys. We just threw out a bunch of names there that the Seahawks could look at. Again, I think the draft's the best route. If you have to replace K.J. Wright, go get a player that's going to be under club control for four years at an affordable contract that has a lot of upside. And this draft, I think one of the more underrated position groups might be that outside linebacker spot. I just named off, you and I both named off a number of guys that could potentially be really good fits for the Seahawks and I think will be available when they have an opportunity to pick in April. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast by checking out our website, LockedOnSeahawks.com. Coming up on our Thursday episode, it's back to Tinder Thursday. We're going to be swiping right or swiping left as we look at several impending free agents for the Seahawks. Plus, the rookie spotlight shines on fifth-round pick Alton Robinson. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks!